Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sample Size. The only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your other host, Cameron Buzard-Jamary, or Wildcard Cameron. I still don't know. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> Coming off that hurricane episode, I still don't know how I feel about that. Oh, my gosh. I was like, you cut me off. I was about to go, oh, you're just Cameron Buzard-Jamary. Okay. You're not Wildcard Cameron. This is going to be like a bad running gag that like people three <laughs> years from now will be like, whatever happened to that one gag Cameron did very poorly. <laughs> So what do you got for me today? All right. Today, we're going to be talking about politics in multiplayer video games. Finally. Finally, we get <laughs> to talk about video games. Thank you. I wanted to talk about video games forever, like before I even met you or our relationship existed. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, have we not had a video game episode yet? On this podcast? No. Yeah. Ah, Absolutely. All right. All right. Cool. Okay. I didn't realize that. Nice. We've done a lot of pretty amazing progressive stuff, but not video games. <laughs> All right. Well, this will be a first. So I'm just going to just dive right in and tell you exactly what this story is. So on September 1st, the Joe Biden Kamala Harris campaign released lawn sign designs for the popular Nintendo Switch game Animal Crossing New Horizons. I don't know why you had to say it like that. Like, it's like we all know what it is. We all know it's the most popular game in the world. <laughs> okay. It saved us from the pandemic. Okay. There may be some people out there that don't know what Animal Crossing is. All right. I'm trying to be thorough. I am trying. Okay. Just because I love Animal Crossing and I've been obsessed with it doesn't mean that everyone has. Literally can't play the Nintendo Switch at all. <laughs> My Overwatch game skill is non-existent thanks to you. All right, yes. So the Harris-Biden campaign, they released designs on Animal Crossing, designed specifically for the campaign, not just like random designs. And for those who don't know how the game works, players can now access the designs by scanning the QR codes that the campaign released on the Nintendo Switch online app, which is not something new specific for the Biden-Harris campaign. This is a like feature of Animal Crossing. People can make their own designs and then you get a little QR code that other people can scan and then they can upload those designs in the game. But yeah. I thought this was a crazy story because this is the actual like Biden-Harris campaign mm -hmm. saying, hey, Animal Crossing exists and we're going to campaign inside Animal Crossing. It's literally bringing politics into your safe space. Yes. <laughs> now, the campaign released four different designs, the official Biden-Harris logo, the Team Joe logo, the Joe Pride logo, which is where the E and Joe is in rainbow colors, and an image of aviator sunglasses in red, white, and blue. Because apparently Joe Biden really likes aviator sunglasses. Yeah, this way the three people who come to my island to steal coconuts will be able to see them. That's nice. <laughs> and they did this to help organize voters for the fall and potentially reach out to new voters. So I'm going to read you what the campaign talking points were. Basically what was in every single article I read about this. Because, you know, a campaign releases like the same four talking points to all news organizations. So let me read you this. From the campaign. Animal Crossing is a dynamic, diverse, and powerful platform that brings communities together from across the world. It is an exciting new opportunity for our campaign to engage and connect Biden-Harris supporters as they build and decorate their islands. Since today marks the start of fall in the game and the leaves start to change color, we are introducing a staple for the season, Team Joe Yard Signs. As we enter the final campaign stretch toward November, this is one way we are finding new creative and innovative ways to meet voters where they are and bring our supporters together. So 
That assumes a lot of things. First of all, I've never been proud to show our island. You do a lot of work on our island. I've never been so <laughs> eager to show someone else my island that I was like, oh my God, guys, you have to come see my island. We have pink patio furniture and also, we made this little al- – okay, th- to be fair, your, like, dinosaur Jurassic Park <laughs> section is dope as heck. You know what? You should just leave the, like, code for our island in the show notes so people can come to it and check out this dope island you made. But at the same time, I would never be eager to show people my political leanings in Animal Crossing. I was going to say, this was really assuming people have more friends on Animal Crossing. Like, it's kind of making me feel like, oh, I don't have that many friends. Like, I don't have people constantly visiting my island. I have, like, one person who has visited my island. Maybe two. Like, Yeah, like, it just assumes a lot more hype then it does and i know that actually exists in animal crossing though i'll actually get into some more stuff where people are actively visiting each other's islands but still i think that's a pretty big assumption let's, for yeah, this let's, campaign let's take a moment to appreciate this weird very possible scenario your friend you did not know was a trump supporter comes <laughs> to your island and sees your joe biden sign and then unfriends you in Nintendo <laughs> online. Oh my god. Oh no, the feuds. <laughs> All right, so we're not clanning together anymore. <laughs> so everyone listening to this is probably wondering like why am I actually bringing up this story? One, I I think I mentioned it. I like Animal Crossing. <laughs> I've been really into this game as soon as it came out, and Animal Crossing is a pretty popular game. Also, I just think it's a kind of cool thing that Mm -hmm. a campaign is being like, oh, yeah, we know what games are popular now, and we're going to do something with that game to try and increase support. But this also happened because I ran across a particular article when I first found out about this story. So last week, I was just on my phone, and it's an Android phone. So anyone who has an Android phone, they know that you swipe a certain way, you get to like a Google feed of articles because Google knows way too much about you, and it'll recommend articles for you to read. And Google knows, you know, I like to play Animal Crossing. I've Googled some things about it. So it usually recommends to me a lot of Animal Crossing articles. Well, the one that I ran across happened to be a Slate article. And let me read you the title of this article because it is great. All right, it is disinformation will come for Animal Crossing. Like, how clickbaity is that? (laughs) Right? So I read that title and was like, what could this article possibly be? And then I saw the thumbnail, which was just the really cute, like... It was Tom Nook sitting there with, like... (laughs) Alt-right conspiracy theories all over the wall behind him. No, it was just like a picture of, I guess, what the Biden-Harris campaign released, which was a little avatar Kamala Harris and a little avatar Joe Biden, like Animal Crossing. um, Yeah, they made like the little Animal Crossing dudes that look like them. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable. And they had like the lawn signs out with this thing. And I'm like, okay, this picture and the title for this article, like there's just a mismatch here. So I'm like, okay, I yes, Google, you got me. Once BuzzFeed got you into their third listicle, (laughs) what did you you learn? All right. So after I actually read this article and went beyond this terrible title, then it kind of made more sense. It's apparently part of a series that Slate's doing called the Free Speech Project, and it examines how technology influences the ways we think about speech. So the whole point of the article was to use this Biden-Harris 
Animal Crossing news to examine how multiplayer video game companies will deal with their games being used for politics. So that's what this whole episode's really about. And that's what I want to discuss today, like video games and politics. Should politics and social issues be allowed in multiplayer video games, especially for like organizations, not just an individual person? And will there be in the future or should there be right now speech restrictions in these games? So and I know we're going to talk about later, but like this is a huge thing from a legal standpoint because of how the Internet itself works, Mm -hmm. because at the inception of the Internet. There was a lot of questions around how do we treat it? Do we treat it like a normal media outlet, like a television communications broadcaster? And a lot of politicians fortunately realized that internet was a completely different beast because it allowed for this interplay of ideas where anyone, instead of a news broadcaster deciding who got to say what, anyone could publish anything they wanted for good or bad. Yeah. But in a way, it's like the wet dream of any free speech fan. <laughs> so – As a result, they had to – and we'll talk about this later in the episode. They had to craft a lot of stuff that informs why people can basically say or not say things or have things removed on the internet. And this law, the – I believe it's called the Communications Decency Act, Mm -hmm. which we will talk about something special (laughs) about it later. But basically why I wanted to bring it up right now is because it is kind of like the reason – that all these platforms have the ability to decide and censor what they put on the internet without facing serious repercussions. Because it's not just deciding that you want to put Biden into your thing. Mm -hmm. It's deciding that if someone goes onto your platform and continuously yells hate speech, they can be banned from your platform or game or whatever without you seeing legal repercussions for censorship. Exactly. Yeah, and you're right. Like, We'll definitely get into legality of stuff later. Before we get into all of that, I just want to bring up a couple more examples of when politics is in video games. Because, like, the Biden-Harris campaign doing this, this isn't actually exclusive to them. This isn't a novel idea. (laughs) No. So, for example, you probably remember back in the 2016 election. In the before time. Yeah, in the before time. Hillary Clinton held an event at a Pokestop in Ohio. Wait, 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 I can do this. Pokemon go to the polls. Yes. Okay, we're in a small <laughs> closet and I just tried to dab and I amazingly didn't knock anything over. I'm so glad you remembered and I didn't have to do that line. Yes, the infamous line she Pokemon said. Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> Which, in, okay, on its face, I actually love it because of the way they wanted to implement it originally. And I'll let you finish first before I get into my thing. No, love what? What do you well, know about? Okay, so think about it. The entire point of technology isn't to be partisan. The the goal is not to say that you should vote for Hillary or you should vote for Trump. The point is to say you should vote, mm. period. And the entire beauty of it was Pokemon Go to the polls was they're putting Pokestops at polling centers. Yeah. So you were motivated in the act of having to wait there anyway. You are now given this opportunity to do the thing you like to do outside anyway. And you're also at a polling place, which rewards you because it is a Pokestop. Yeah. So it encourages people to participate in the democratic process. And it doesn't care if you're a Trump supporter or not. It doesn't care if you're a Hillary supporter or not. They just care that you went and were able to go somewhere where you could vote, which is like really the beauty of the potential here is like, we don't want you to feel partisan. We want you to feel like you can participate in a democracy. 
Well, and I mean, that was kind of the weird magical thing about Pokemon Go anyway, was that when it was released, like they just put Pokestops everywhere, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, they put some in a lot of troublesome places like that. Like there was a big problem of people like just running throughout cemeteries because there were Breaking Pokestops there. Breaking into cemeteries. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing. Why did you break into a cemetery? Yeah, but like it mainly just anything that was of kind of whatever importance or notoriety, they basically, a Pokestop was there. Yeah, like fun fact, my small town has a lot of, unfortunately, Native Americans getting abused heritage. Oh and no. So that also meant there were a lot of historic sites there, which also meant there were a lot of Pokestops there. So I basically couldn't drive my car down Main Street without accidentally hitting several large families. Oh no. But to get back kind of to the whole point of what we're talking about today, like Hillary Clinton, the campaign realized, oh, this Pokemon Go game is really popular right now. So what are we going to do? We're going to use that to our advantage to try and like entice young voters. And that's where that famous line came because it was at like a rally. No, she I got was holding. You. She says, Pokemon, go to the <laughs> polls. Okay, I cannot dab in here. I guess I'm doing that. All right. So more examples. So in May, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she actually visited some of her supporters' islands in Animal Crossing. Which is just a good thing to do in general. Like, think about it. You get to visit your supporters and not leave your house. It's amazing. Yeah. It, the future is It now. really is perfect. And also the pandemic times, you know, it just – this is where life is. I'm Everything sure, is I'm virtual now. I'm still surprised now. we're not seeing more politicians, especially younger politicians, doing like Twitch streams. Mm. Like that – well, they do. I think they do a lot of like Facebook Live stuff. Twitch streams, honey. We're talking about gaming, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're I'm right. We're talking to, about the I'm young kids. I'm not trying kids. to read misinformation <laughs> while looking at memes that were posted on Reddit four months ago. I'm talking about real human connection. <laughs> uh, all right. And no, that I'm throwing 100% shade. We will be talking about Mark Zuckerberg in the future. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I have opinions about the Zucks. Okay. Well, beyond the Zucks. And beyond political campaigns, because they're not the only ones doing this. Let me give some more examples. So a lot of events happened in July in support of the Black Lives Matter movement after the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor by police. So here are just a few examples. Players organized rallies and fundraising events in Animal Crossing and The Sims. And Take-Two Interactive, they shut down their online servers for its games Grand Theft Auto Online, Red Dead Online, and NBA 2K for two hours in memory of George Floyd. And the games Call of Duty and Apex Legends, which I know you love, mm -hmm. displayed on-screen messages supporting Black Lives Matter at the launch of the games, like when the games would load up. Mm -hmm. And then Fortnite, they hosted a panel discussion on racism and police brutality on July 4th. And that one was pretty popular news-wise because a bunch of players lobbed tomatoes at CNN correspondent Van Jones when he started speaking. And it's kind of unclear. Amazing. I Really just because of how, like, throwing a fruit works in Fortnite and in, like, the Fortnite arena area. It's just unclear, like, were they doing that because, you know, they hate the Black Lives Matter movement and they didn't like the CNN correspondent? Or were they doing it because I think when he was speaking, he was talking about – he was saying something that was kind of in support yeah, of police. Yeah, he liked having tomatoes thrown at him. <laughs> no, I get that. No, and then it also could just be, like, people do dumb stuff in video games. And, yeah, like, I, I feel like I need to stop here and point out just a really annoying thing about media in general, especially, like – the mainstream media, I hate to say that term because I just sound like the thing I hate, <laughs> but 
like I can't tell you how cringy it is to hear anyone on daytime or even nighttime talk show try to explain a video game. Like mm-hmm. you have kids. Yes. You have kids who play Fortnite. They can explain what's going on here. It's not like a cryptic tablet from a thousand years ago you need a Rosetta Stone to translate. It's a game made in the year 2019 that is actively being updated with crap from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can ask someone what's going on. (laughs) Well, and I think kind of a related problem is like if you ever try to explain a meme to someone or if you ever try to explain like a joke to someone or even when on Twitch, like where you have people doing like the random like emoji things into yeah, the chat get, all like, the time. Spam. Yeah, yeah, it's, like it's so hard to explain that concept because it's like you're trying to piece together. OK, I, I got to pick apart why this is funny or why this is happening and not just like it's just random stuff happening on the Internet. You just kind of got to embrace it. Yeah. And there's well, the other thing is just like any. Anyone who's had to stream with more than a thousand people can tell you like things just get off the rails unless you have appropriate moderation. Mm -hmm. And also if you give them the capacity to do anything at all, including (laughs) screw over your stream, they will. And so this is really annoying because it's just like a bunch of people who are disconnected but very well like they have – they're coming from a good place. They're saying I want to do a thing that allows me to connect with people where they are getting frustrated because they didn't take the time to understand why those people are there in the first place. Like trolling is just a fundamental part of gaming, whether you like it or not, because there will always be people who would rather just annoy you than actually play the game well. (laughs) And I think this is the perfect moment to segue into what I really want to talk about this episode, which is what is the level of restricting like trolling in video games. And we can talk about at the individual level or even at like when organizations and campaigns get to this. Like where do you kind of draw the line of censorship? The weird thing here is, and this actually kind of goes back to that Section 230 thing, is Mm -hmm. understanding that when you go to any platform, that platform, whether you like it or not, is typically owned by someone who has their own interests. Like I like YouTube because I get to learn a lot of stuff from a lot of people that introduces me to ideas that ideally I will go research and make sure I don't people take people at their word. Yeah. At the same time, I do not enjoy 17 mid-roll ads that are played back to back. But as a product of getting a free service where I get to see videos and post videos from all over the world, I you kind of just have to live with that. And that my point with that is it's getting at the inherent fact that this is a place where a corporation is making decisions for you, whether you like it or know it or not. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they get the authority. They have legal authority thanks to the CDA. Oh, yes. Or the yeah. Communications Decency Act. Yes, the thing you were explaining at the top yeah, of the episode. to ban things. They are allowed to – first of all, Twitter is not held accountable for anything Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton says on the platform. That's section 230C1 of the CDA. Mm. It basically says you and other people cannot be held responsible – for things said on a social media platform and also the social media platform technically can't be held responsible. Now, there's Uh, obviously guidelines like hate speech. Anything that is illegal in the real world is also illegal online. And, you know, things like posting certain types of explicit content, Mm -hmm. obviously not appropriate unless it's explicitly made clear. And even then, there's clearly certain types of explicit content that are just never appropriate. Yeah. The point is there, there are places on the Internet for that and then there are places that aren't. But when it comes to the act of trying to control people, that 
that seems foolish because you're opening yourself up to a place where people of all different backgrounds are already going to, in a way, escape. Mm. Like, I don't play Apex Legends because I want to hear about Joe Biden. I don't play <laughs> Animal Crossing because I want to see what Donald Trump's up to. So when I go to those places, it is in a way escapism. And when you decide to barge into those places and do something, if I don't have the ability to choose to not engage, I will probably want to troll. The thing here is like there's two sides to this coin. And right now this is a very subjective conversation. I got to say that. Like I'm just speaking from my own opinions. Like if I go to a like AMA on Twitch, mm -hmm. I first of all would want to have at least an iota of respect for the person I'm going to interact with because they're putting themselves out there in an AMA. And they're saying hey, – AMA being an ask me anything. Exactly. Yeah. And saying, like, come talk to me and I'll type stuff into the chat and they can say stuff back to me into their cam. And it's like a really nice experience because I'm acknowledging them as a human. They're acknowledging that someone's behind the computer as a human. And then this is the weird place. There's like two sides to this. There's this concept of brigading, which leads to trolling, which is like you, you kind of get enough people together in one place on the Internet and they can suddenly decide that stupid things are really cool. <laughs> and there are two ways this can be dangerous. One is. You have a lot of like-minded people who share misguided thoughts. They can end up creating subreddits or communities or groups that decide that it can be fun to not treat people with respect and go to their places and engage with them in a way that's disrespectful. Mm, and that yeah. is one example of trolling that – like in this case, I'm looking at big examples of trolling because I can troll anyone. I can go and make fun of you – for posting something misguided. Well, and I think I think what you're getting at is a difference between like I am one person and I'm gonna like through trolling harass this one other person, but I'm just like one voice in the sea of many voices. But if you have a group of people that are gathering together on the internet and deciding we're gonna troll, I'm just kind of using that synonymous with harass in, in this case, mm -hmm. this one person. Now it's not just like one voice in a sea of voices. It's a lot of voices all yelling at this one person. Yeah. And the reason I'm trying to isolate this incident is normally when you have – like I've done moderation before. And usually if there's one person acting in bad faith or one account acting in bad faith, they're pretty easy to identify and quash. Like you just kind of like, oh, this person keeps saying hateful things or this person keeps getting flagged or this person made – one or more posts that are objectively just terrible given that this community has nothing to do with the thing they're trying to post about. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you can ban them. You can give them suspensions, things like that. But as one person, it's like easy to track. When it's a group of people, when it can be hundreds or thousands of people, it can be extremely difficult to moderate. And there are bot tools to help. But at the end of the day, if you're going to build a platform where literal avatars can just have and throw tomatoes at will. Yeah. It's very difficult for people to not just decide to do that. <laughs> and even then, you have no way to moderate that behavior. Like you were giving them a way to express themselves and then telling them not to do it. It's a very confusing message when the entire point of you going there was for you to engage with them. And I'll admit, I don't have a lot of context on the specific situation. I'm familiar with the story. Well, no, the, you're, you're pretty much getting at it. I think there's now a good point to kind of go into – 
how should things be handled at a more like organization or a political campaign level? Because you have in multiplayer games, I mean, you have some restrictions on individuals and what you can say. Like a lot of multiplayer games have chat functions and they have like when you're speaking into a mic function. And if someone's like harassing another person or saying a bunch of hate speech, like I think there's ways to like report them and all that kind of stuff. Like there are some rules and guidelines on that. But for the most part, it's like a free for all on what you can say because – you know, free speech and it's one person and the game kind of wants you to interact. They don't want to like censor you. But now let's get into like what about at a bigger level? Like do you think it should actually be possible in these multiplayer games for like corporations or campaigns or such to like actually interact in the game or like release products? That's kind of what happened with the Vine Harris thing or even like in Fortnite, like do concerts and things. I mean, this is the double-edged sword I was, that I think we've been tiptoeing around before is like, these are companies. They mm-hmm. need to make money. Like, you don't just get to play Apex Legends for free. EA is trying to sell you something because they need to pay money to get the servers up and also to make their trash next iteration of FIFA. Yeah. So <laughs> they're not going to just do things out of good. Like, there's small indie developers that are super chill and super awesome and like, they just want to make the art that is their game. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's going to be a lot harder for you to sway. But when you have a big game like Fortnite or Apex or Battlefield or Call of Duty, it's really easy for you to see just a company approach you and say, I will give you $1,000 per month or like whatever crazy license to put in a skin in the game that allows people to wear Adidas sneakers. Yeah. And – they're like companies like, oh, sweet, free money to do basically nothing other than add a loot box to the game. I'll totally do that because it's it's money that's motivating this. And typically that's just corporate interest. Here we're seeing specific interest in trying to – like I don't actually understand how seeing a Biden sign in your like friend's island will <laughs> get more people to vote for. I, I really don't understand – exactly what the like end game is for this specific strategy but what i do want to highlight is this is not like pokemon goes to the polls this is not trying to say it is good to vote this is mm-hmm. saying i am partisan i want to be part of this camp because i believe in this thing which is something you should totally be able to do but it's introducing partisanship which can lead to more toxicity that's true that's a fair point and actually What I want to bring up about Animal Crossing, which I found interesting, is that in the Japanese terms of service for the Japan release is actually not allowed for political campaigns to do anything in Animal Crossing. But that is not in the American like terms of service for the game. So Mm -hmm. it is allowed there. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think a unique thing with Animal Crossing is that your island, it's kind of like a representation of you. It's like, oh, this is my... This is where I get to create my own thing and I get to express my thoughts and feelings on my own little island. And it's not really shared much unless you have friends going to it specifically. So I think it's just a lot more of a unique case as opposed to like, you know, kind of battle royale or like shooting multiplayer online games or even like, you know, League of Legends, Overwatch, like all that stuff where it's like – It's not as intimate. Yeah, it's just like you kind of have a character and you're involved in this arena thing. It's not your own little experience that you're sharing with people. Yeah, like you can you can get custom skins and stuff, but usually you don't customize the skin. Mm-hmm. You just unlock whatever the hell EA or whoever is going to let you unlock. 
Whereas Animal Crossing is a labor of love, like literally thousands of hours go into a game just to make your island look the way you want it to. Yeah. And the thing you said about the Japanese terms of service actually dovetails perfectly into maybe now is a good time to talk about the Section 230 thing. Oh, yeah. I thought we covered that already. Sorry. No, yeah. this is this is where it gets real. Section 230 is a U.S. law. So everything about it only applies to the United States, companies operating in the United States. But the Internet is an international – it's like a global resource. Like when they mm. came up with this law, the Internet was the product of a few small organizations in the U.S. more or less letting this resource exist. Mm -hmm. But now the Internet is objectively a planet-wide resource. And as a result, creating laws that govern how especially partisan behavior can be handled across the internet is just a weird can of worms because a lot of governments have very strict rules about when, where, how, and why you can campaign in any medium. It doesn't mm. matter if it's newspapers. It doesn't matter if it's television. Lots of European countries will do a media blackout in the days leading up to an election to make sure that there's no extra influence on the election. And as a result, that carries over into the internet, but the internet is everywhere. Like if I'm in Japan and I'm playing the game, technically the game's not supposed to be used for partisan purposes, but this is an in-game thing that they didn't pay anyone to make. They literally have a QR code that just lets this image appear on a asset in the game that you can just put on your island. Yeah. But that act makes it partisan. It's the weird gray area that allows it to become partisan. And this actually brings us back to Section 230. Politicians like Trump and Biden have been interested in reforming the CDA, specifically Section 230C2, the ban hammer that allows people to get kicked off the platform because Biden doesn't think it's strict enough at helping curtail misinformation on the alt-right. And Trump thinks it's not fair that he's going to be censored or that people on the alt-right can be censored by the ban hammer. And so there's interest in making it either less bipartisan or more bipartisan in a weird way. That is interesting. And this applies like all across the Internet, not just on like social media areas. Any Well, this is particularly big for games because you have a lot of people who can be part of one party or the other who spout a lot of hate speech and as a result get banned. Mm -hmm. People get banned from games for stuff they say in their Twitch streams that never actually enters the game. That's true. And as a result, if that legislation is changed in the United States, any organization that operates in the United States, which you can assume any global multiplayer video game will be operating in the United States because you're the U.S. <laughs> is part of the Internet. Yes. And we like to consume things. <laughs> we do like to consume things. You can assume that suddenly those games have to cater to are their ways of curtailing hate speech partisan or are they politically neutral? And as a result, this could actually curtail expression in games. Huh. This could go from Animal Crossing. Like, people have some pretty nasty stuff that you can put on in-game assets in Animal Crossing if you really wanted to. They're the part of the internet. Yeah, you could. And I think technically if Nintendo finds out, if it's anything, I think in their terms of service, if it's anything like graphic or in terms of language or other stuff, then they can just, like, remove it. Yeah. And the reason I'm bringing all this up, I know right now you're probably like having to keep like six different ideas <laughs> in your head. But like what I'm trying to get at here is this. At the core of this discussion is a question of partisan versus bipartisan. Can I do something on the Internet without it being considered affiliated with a specific group? 
And what's interesting about this case is it's in this legal gray area where unlike like Marvel straight up just being plugged into Fortnite. Yeah. They're making a QR code that allows an in-game asset that you can draw on anyway to be turned into a yard sign for your political belief. And this starts moving us in that direction of where does it become too partisan for the platform itself to actually be okay with it? Because if a game's terms of service says not to be used for political purposes and someone's using it for political purposes, even though they're not profiting off it, is that still a fair use of it? And again, the law is just a weird gray puddle that's hard to like get the murky waters to sit still long enough to come up with a answer. So it's kind of a question that may never be answered. Yeah. And I think this then gets even more complicated when it becomes, you know, politics, political campaign, like, oh, this is associative campaign. This is clearly politics. What about just social issues? Like, for example, all the examples I was bringing up about Black Lives Matter. Like, what if people are putting that and people did put that in Animal Crossing? Like, then is what's the line of, oh, is that politics or is that expressing like a social issue? Like, where would you draw that? Yeah. And again, this actually gets at why I feel conflicted about all this, because on the one hand, I don't really want to see political stuff and hate speech and all that stuff in my video games. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I support the movement and I I actually really do like seeing platforms that I consume the content of clearly voicing that they're in favor of this movement and in many cases donating to and providing resources so that other people, people who don't even think about this idea, can get involved with the movement. It's been a planet-wide phenomena that is really showing us that like this is a problem that is in countries that aren't America and yet every country is different. Well, and actually, this will probably get to kind of one of the last things I want to talk about is that then you have even another issue of let's take the Hong Kong protests. All right. There was a whole big thing going on of games of how China actually banning some games because people were showing their support for Hong Kong. And then that was even going so far as like, what was it, in Overwatch, there was a big player who like just got banned from it because he voiced support for the Hong Kong protests. And like, wasn't he like a competitive Overwatch player? Yeah, he won a tournament. So what happened, there are lots of people who are big time streamers, like they're people with a large following who are in support of the Hong Kong protests who as a result are getting banned from platforms that do business in China Mm -hmm. because the Chinese government is not in favor of the Hong Kong protests. (laughs) Go figure. And because they leverage that authoritarian clout, they're able to say to these companies that want to make money in China, hey, if you want to keep working here and being a business here, you have to be in favor of what we're in favor of. And as a result, those organizations become motivated to ban or – at the very least, suppress people who share dissenting opinions. This goes beyond that. This goes into like real world sports that aren't really happening right now because of everything that's happening. But like, what was it? The NBA? Oh, yeah. They had to apologize. And then there's just cinema in general is this like ongoing. We want to sell movies to China, but we also have to make a movie that Chinese audiences will like without upsetting the Chinese government. Like there are all these places where we're on the spectrum of other countries that we want to do business with are telling, dictating how we are able to communicate. And when you bring it back to this politics issue, mm-hmm. what happens if those governments suddenly decide that they only want to see content that inadvertently favors one party over the other? 
Yeah, and I think I think that's where like censorship online and I mean we had a past episode talking about like censorship and social media things and now this censorship kind of in discussing that in video games I think just in the internet in general it's just so difficult to draw all these lines and what's acceptable or not because you clearly don't want to make it so that people are getting banned just for voicing their opinions and for like they're basically being suppressed in what they're able to support. But you also don't want to make it so that people are like spreading hate speech or doing something that's harmful. So it's just having to find that balance of what can we say is acceptable and not acceptable and what will be universally agreed upon as being acceptable and not acceptable. Yeah. And unfortunately, the like simple truth of it is the big platforms that you see having to deal with all this, they're governed by the almighty dollar. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, the real thing that will determine what you can or can't say on a platform, it's fair to assume comes down to commerce. But at the same time, the laws that regulate it also allow small people, small communities to have voices. And if those laws get changed or if we see partisanship take over how we get to interact with the internet, it can be harmful not because big companies will suddenly have to change how they make money, but because small people who deserve big voices will suddenly be shut out of the conversation. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect place to wrap up this episode. <laughs> yeah, I hope to do an actual other episode when we learn more about what's going on between Biden, Trump, and how they're viewing the Section 230 part of the CDA oh, reform. Yeah. So I'm hoping to like get resources on that. But yeah, this was an awesome conversation. I'm really glad you brought it to me. Aw, thanks, Cameron. Yeah, that was the first thank you on the show. It will never happen again. <laughs> do you like news and podcasts? Of course you do. You managed to listen this far, didn't you? So why don't you go ahead and subscribe to Sample Size wherever you get podcasts. And also, if you have friends who you think would like to learn about the downfall of the online gaming space, why don't you share this episode <laughs> with them or any of our other awesome episodes? And, like, you can find us, I don't know, on social media at Sample Size Show. Did I do a good job? Yeah, that... <sighs> I'm mad at how much better that was than mine. <laughs> okay, as always, you can find all of my sources in the show notes. And also, big shout out to Scott for editing this episode. Always doing great work. Yeah, Scott Stronach, you can get a link to some of his stuff down in the show notes. And as for us, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.